are listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider. He's a working man, working like a job every day. Brandon Jaggers. Gotta get up, go to work. And me, C.C. Broadus. Anyway, uh, third race seven, Phil Bauer is live. Live, first time starter. And last but not least, Jeff Riggs. The auxiliary gate, big problem. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 163. Yes, 163. It's the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I am CC Broadus, joined by my pals, Alan Schneider. Alan, how are you? Hey, man, I'm great. We haven't been on here in a couple weeks, but you know, life happens, correct? I'm not sure anybody missed us. Yeah, I would agree with that as well, too. Maybe they've missed our uh, our co-host, Jeff Riggs. Jeff, the bearded handicapper, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. I missed you guys. Feels like it's been longer than it has been. Oh, uh, it'll be all right, boo. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're down we to always, one. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just said we always come back. That indeed we do. So we're down to one week of Churchill uh, before things switch to Turfway Park. Uh, what about this uh, November meet? How have you? How's it treated you guys? Uh, well, I haven't got to play as much as I'd like to. To be honest with you, I don't get to play much during the week, anyways. You guys know. But uh, it, it's been a little tough with these fields. I, I won't lie to you. It's not all not all Churchill's fault. Uh, the turf course, uh, are we? can we call it a fiasco or are we still, like, not worked our way up to fiasco? I'm not sure what's going on with the turf course, but it's created a lot of scratches. There are some short fields to begin with. There's been some late gate scratches, some bet scratches. It's, it's made it kind of tough for someone who likes to be, you know, plots and plays out and stuff. So outside of that, I've been, you know, enjoyed it. But I mean, that, that is a bit, a bit of a tall bridge uh, to climb. Let's hope that gets better. I might have a few opinions on that a little bit, but uh, I'll defer to Jeff for the meantime. Jeff, how about you? Yeah, I agree. It's been, it's been kind of tough with the short fields and especially off the turf, like you were saying, because some of those have gotten scratched down to, you know, three to five horse fields, which is, is not good for anybody unless you're, you know, the, the connections. So it did kind of, uh, help us out with, uh, Johnny's fireball the other day, getting that, uh, race scratched down to, scratched down to five. You had a little bit of a, a rough trip, but still got, ran a nice second. So, so yeah, strong quality's nice. a nice, strong quality's a really nice horse. I mean, that's a horse I've been pretty high on most of the year. I just wonder if he's going to take to the dirt, but Johnny did run second to a really nice horse. So it's another big chunk of change, right, for the brilliant racing four, correct? Exactly. Yep. I'll take it for sure. And you're right. It was, there was probably no beating the winner that day. He, he was just, he ran very well. But, um, yeah, the uh, Churchill meet overall, you know, it's, it's been good. It's been enjoyable, but, um, definitely wish we could, we could see some more turf racing. I'm hoping that they do here going into, um, you know, the last week and especially with the Clark Day coming up and Thanksgiving, um, if we can get some turf races in those couple of days, I think that would be wonderful. Yeah. What have, what have been your feelings, CC? I took a week off because I was so frustrated with myself. I was all over a Foley horse, a two year old making her second start as the Saturday before last. And right. Right. 
played this giant pick five and a giant pick four trying to get to this horse, and I whiffed on the second and third legs. And uh, and then when I, they run the uh, run the fifth race, and the horse wins easily. And this horse, like I said, this horse I've been waiting for come back, and I didn't have a dime to win on her. And uh, yeah, that uh, that really made me mad. So I took a week off. And I I, I'm a believer. I'm a believer in that. That's good. I think that's a good thing. But uh, I got to I got to reconfigure my uh, my wagering. That, that was uh, that was disappointing, if I say so myself. But uh, listen, we got a we got a lot of ground to cover. Uh, before we get to our to our guest this evening, but uh, first of all, we want to wish Happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners. Uh, of course, uh, we're recording this on Monday night. Thanksgiving's in three days. I do. I want to play a little word association with just one word, and I want to see if you guys uh, what you guys say about this. Oh, okay. But if I drop the name Turkey Kick, what does that mean to you all? Does it mean anything? Tur- turkey Kick. Turkey Kick. No, actually, no, no. I know. Uh, my- I know what a donkey punch is. <laughs> that's for another that's for another pod, Alan. That's, okay. for, the, that's for the late night pod. But no, the all right. So I, turkey kick apparently is just a Bardstown thing. The, turkey kick is when the uh, uh, all the the residents of Nelson County visit all the bars on the Wednesday. Oh, that's a Bambi walk. It's a Bambi walk. Like that, it's turkey kick here. So it's Bambi okay. walk there. I, I just wondered if, if if you all. I don't I don't know if that's a common thing across this great nation or not. But uh, turkey kick is. Uh, it's uh, it's like a, an event here. So now again, I'm I'm 53, so maybe the kids still do it. But when I was one of the rites of passage when I was younger, started on Bardstown Road at the Bambi Bar, and hit every bar up down Bardstown Road, and I have done it before, and it has led to some it led to some wild nights. To be honest with you, so that is the wool version of a turkey is that kick. Thanksgiving. Uh, I think it's any time when you and your buddies and a bunch of guys and girls okay. are downtown, down in the Highlands or whatever. But yeah, right. that's a Bambi walk. I think they do t-shirts and all that. So it's, it's a pretty big deal here. You know, it's like you right, under, it? right under the bourbon festival. Okay. I'll keep that in mind this weekend. Uh, <laughs> so, all right, let's get to the real news. Uh, Tony Kalo has been named the new voice of Turfway Park. I'm very excited about this. A big fan I of Tony Kalo. Have always been a big fan of him. And then when we got to meet him on our pod back in May, which is available online, uh, Tony was a great guy. He was a great guest. And, uh, gosh, that's, that's cool. It makes Turfway that much better, in my opinion. Couldn't agree more. Jeff, you got a chance to listen to many of Tony Kalo's calls? I yes I have actually there's there's been many a Monday and Tuesday where you know I've been surfing through just when I get that itch looking for some racing and landed on Finger Lakes and uh he is has a very distinctive way of calling races and I really enjoy how he paints the picture. I like how he how he kicks it off with the and there they go and uh I just I think he'll be a good addition for the the Kentucky circuit. And they yeah. uh he's a throwback essentially to the like the 40s and 50s those guys that had the gravelly voices and mm-hmm. you know it, you know that, that's uh gosh that's great that's a that's a great move in my opinion i love him love i him. think turfway is pushing all the right buttons and i've been saying it for years you guys know i mean i've been saying this for years it's it's the it's it just by it the, the lack of a better term buying stock in turfway it just keeps going up going up and the racing is great and we're going to talk about it next week we might have a certain blonde uh, who's associated with the racetrack to maybe help us out, look forward to the meet. But I think Tony Cale just enhances it. And now if they can maybe uh, doll up that grandstand just a little bit, we'll see how it goes. But looking forward to that meet for damn looking sure. Looking forward to having Pamela Anderson on 
As, that's apparently you've got that lined up. So it's a blonde. I'm not sure if it's, it, it may not be necessarily that blonde, but anyway, we'll okay. see. Okay. <laughs> Moving right along. Uh, Jack Gilligan. It was announced today by the TDN. You can look that up. Uh, Thoroughbred Daily News. Uh, find that online. Jack Gilligan is returning home to England. Uh, had a few parting shots, I would say, for the, the American trainers. Uh, had some good bit. things and some bad things today, but you can, uh, you can read for that yourself. But, uh, Gilligan, uh, I think he just, you know, I probably found it hard. There's a, a deep jockey colony here in Kentucky. Probably. A lot of, yeah. Probably, uh, you know, for the best, but, uh, probably not getting the business he thought he would get, but he's a great jockey. Does, has done a, done a wonderful job. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, he's, he's headed back to, to England. We had him on the pod last year. I remember I was on vacation when we interviewed Jack, and he was he was awesome. He was a super great guy. Overcame some serious injury issues and stuff along the way while he was here in the States to continue to succeed. So I really like Jack. And as you know, America loses because we lose that hair, right? We lose that one. Best hair in racing. I don't care what Steve Asmussen says. (laughs) We got the best beard in racing here. Have you had a chance to meet Jack Gilligan, Jeff? I've never met Jack, but I've always been a fan from afar. I thought he always, you know, he always got the best out of – his mounts, I think he had been winning good numbers throughout the, the years in his, um, when, when he's been here stateside, even though he didn't necessarily get on all the top horses. Um, you know, he always put in an honest ride and he was somebody that I felt confident in as a horse player as well. Uh, freakishly tall for his, uh, he's like the, th- I think we decided he was the third tallest jockey in the country, uh, like five, five nine plus, which is, and when you see him in, when you talk to him in person, he's he, he's a thin dude. <laughs> Have to be at that at that high. But yeah, really nice guy. I hope wish him nothing but the best when he goes over there. And uh had some Kentucky horses wander north of the uh, Kentucky border today and uh won some stakes races at Mahoning Valley. It was Steel Valley Sprint Day, but we uh we had uh Jersey Pearl for Silverton Hill, Brian Lynch. Silverton Hill, of course, located in uh Springfield or they're they're uh, their owners are in Springfield, Kentucky, about 20 miles from where I am. Jersey Pearl won the Cheryl White Memorial, $200,000 race. It's the daughter of B. Jersey, fast filly, and uh, she's now a stakes winner. And of course, right after that, Rivet ran down our horse, our favorite horse, not our horse. We wish we were, he was our horse, but our our, our favorite uh, horse, Damon's Mound, to win the Steel Valley Sprint, $300,000 stakes. Rivet, really a form reversal. They, they took him off the pace today, Jeff, and uh, uh, yeah. and he, and he uh, basically uh, attacked a, a three-plus speed duel and, and went on to win easily. That's what I noticed was the, the change in tactics today with uh, Keith Asmussen aboard. He sat back and made one run, and, man, he really kicked away from that field at the end. I know Damon's mound got softened up a little bit. Um, I thought he ran pretty well, actually. He he really got squeezed out of the gate, got knocked off stride a little bit, uh, was in close quarters on the rail. It would have been, you know, I'm sure they would have liked to take off of the, the little speed duel that was going there, but sometimes that's tough to do in that in that tight spot. So, you know, taking the lead around the turn and kicking on pretty well. It looked like he was going to win the race until Rivet started cranking up and, and just blew right by. But it was cool seeing a couple Kentucky-based horses do well up there today. Yeah, I think Damon preferred to have a target. I think he, I think he could, uh, Alvarado maybe, may have went to the front. This is just speculation, uh, knowing the horse pretty well. May have, uh, he went to the front, maybe Damon would like to sit off and have a target, but, uh, he'll fight another day. He's had a great year. He's had puts him more about 700,000. Damon's mounted, and of course we're going to brag on Michelle. That's what this, one of the reasons this pot exists. 
But you know, you know how a lot of two year olds uh, show their stuff early in their career is, in, you know, in the spring and the summer, their two year old season. And then they start to, they go off form a little bit and they're never be heard from again. How about Damon's mound? Let's, let's think about this for a second. Uh, show that form as a two year old and people thought, oh, well, Iroquois, he's not going to be that good. And he came back and he ran a couple. How many horses like this come back to thrive at three going in their four year old year? I mean, that's a testament to her, right? Can you think of anything off the top of your head, Cece, where the two year old shows so much promise early, goes off form a little bit? And then comes back. It doesn't happen very often, does it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't in this day and age. You, you know, usually if they if, if they do show signs of going off form, they're they're whisked off the stud. Right, and oh. it, it, it's a testament to patience, and which uh, her her fantastic Churchill meet so far is a testament to her patience. But yeah, we're going to brag on her, but let's put aside her friendship with her for the second. I don't think that gets talked about enough with Damon's Mound that uh, these horses that 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 peak uh, that had these brilliant two year old uh, early form. And all of a sudden, find this form and are better than ever three. It doesn't happen very often, so glad to see it. Last thing, uh, Saturday night, if you're up that late, you got a whale of a matchup in Japan on the other side of the world. It'll probably be about 1.30 or so. You've got Equinox, who's considered the world's best racehorse. I think that's, well, arguably, there's a, there's a few that might have a uh, – uh, a hat in that ring, but Equinox is taking on the three-year-old filly Liberty Island, who I would consider maybe the Japan's version of Zenyatta, a younger version of Zenyatta. Just you know, she she'll take back to last and then drive past the the rest of the field while wide, and you'll see those two hook up in the Japan Cup, which is always a cool race. I don't know if there's going to be any European. Participants. I know there's not going to be any Americans. The Americans never go over there anymore. They used to back in the day. I remember Kota Sean, I think, won or finished second in the Japan Cup. Uh, maybe Charlie Whittingham took a horse over there and won 30 years ago. But the, there's no participation in the event anymore from, from our point of view. But the, this race is going to be an absolute, as they say, cracker between Equinox and Liberty Island. That should be one for the ages. Looking forward to it. I'm older now than I used to be. But I'm going to try to stay up and watch it because that's going to be fun. And, you know, we are talking about this certain blonde that's going to be coming by to help us with uh, Turfway Park next week. Pamela Anderson. Pamela Anderson. I believe this uh, – well, may not – I believe – I have a wild feeling that this 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 young lady we're going to have on is probably watching that same race with you, Cece. She's probably already counted down. So – well, she hey, can she yeah. can last. She she'll last. I'll I, there's a good chance I'll be conked out by twelve o'clock. Yeah, that, that she stays. She does an amazing job staying up late and then getting up early. Uh, but in addition, fairgrounds started too, right? Don't we have uh, somebody on this panel here that might be doing a little work at fairgrounds before we get to our guest? Is that yeah. correct? Hopefully, who is that? Sure yeah. Who who is that? So fair meet started on uh, Friday. They have. Two, uh, they've run two days so far, Friday and Saturday, and then they'll be back for the Thanksgiving weekend, which is a really big day in New Orleans, which, um, I kind of, I, I need to get there one year for that because it sounds like it's a serious party. Just shout out to my guys down there, uh, Kevin Kilroy and John G. Dooley are down there right now. And then our guy, Joe K, Joe Christofek, he'll be down there after the conclusion of the Churchill meet. And, uh, yeah, I was able to get down there last year for a week and just had an absolute blast down there. So I'm, I'm heading back down there this winter at some point. I'm not sure what the dates are yet, but I'm excited to get down there and hang out with those guys and do some work down there, do some writing, do some on air stuff, hopefully. So, um, uh, it's exciting. Awesome. They always yeah. Down there. 
you know, it's like, uh, so Joe's going down to Louisiana. I think Caitlin is staying here. I think, you know, Scott is staying here for to help. With tar- it's like the Avengers are breaking up, right? Is that kind of what that is? And they kind of reassemble next year for end game when the Derby comes back around. Is that, and then, is that fair to say? Exactly. Yeah, they're never, they're never too far away and they stay in touch, but yeah, it's, it'll be, it'll be cool to follow both of them because those are the two meets that I'll really be following here throughout the winter is Turkway and Fairgrounds. So, um, I'm glad that our, our friends will be there for us. Well, I'm glad. I'm sure you can be a great addition to the Fairgrounds crew or whatever. It sounds like a lot of fun and I'm sure you're going to have a blast and you'll be a lot warmer than CC and I will here in this cold ass dump, right? CC. I agree. I have it. Yeah. And, and, and fill up on gumbo. There you go. Cause that shit pay. is good. It is. It is. I love. I love New Orleans. All right. You want to you get to our guest? Yep. I think we got without, without further ado, let's uh, get right to it. Okay, uh, our guest this evening is uh, he. He really comes from royalty. His father uh, won a Super Bowl back in the uh-huh. uh, I believe the early nineties. Uh, the New York Giants. Uh, his name was Phil Sims. And whoa. And, wait, wait, I'm sorry. Wait, whoa, whoa, what? What, what were you is are you reading the intro that Brandon Jaggers prepared for you? Wait Phil a Sims. Wait a minute. Phil hold Sims on, from on, the New on, York on. Giants. No, no, no. Hold this on. is the son of another Phil Sims we have on. Dude. Yeah, you're, you're don't right. let Brandon do your intros anymore. Okay. Yeah, okay. I, no, wait a minute. I've got the right one here. Hold on. Okay. 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 We, we start over. Start over. Yeah. Here we go. Here okay. we go. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <clears throat> okay. Our guest this evening is the uh, the son of a, a very popular trainer, a very experienced trainer in Lexington, and uh, uh, this gentleman is uh, no experience from uh, from being around good horses. Uh, uh, as an assistant to his father, he was uh, around horses such as Don't Tell Sophia and Hot Cha Cha. Uh, Hot Cha Cha, of course, was a Grade One winner. Uh, don't Don't Tell Sophia. Uh, a great story in her own right, and we'll we'll get into that later. But she was. Uh, uh, second in a uh, Breeders' Cup distaff behind Untappable back in the day. And uh, our guest has branched out on his own, and we have a feeling that he's got a bright future ahead of him, and uh, we're certainly looking forward to talking to him. I'm talking about none other than Matthew Sims. Matt, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. It's a great evening. I got the fire. Oh, I got the U.K. basketball on the TV. You know, he couldn't ask for a better evening as Ducky. Well, we're going to uh, try to make this quick so you can watch the end of the game. But uh, we got some questions we want to ask you first. Uh, uh, Matt, now you're, you're stable to Keeneland, is that correct? Yes, I am. I keep a string there year-round. Um, last winter, I stabled at Turfway Park to start out my adventure. Um, it was good. It was good. Um, a good experience to do that, as I've been to a few other tracks. But to start out there was great. We won our first race. Uh, the team did on January 1st with Blue Kentucky. And it's carried on through, and then um, we've moved to Rice Road, where my father and I actually share a barn there at Keeneland. Um, so he's kind of, he can go, and he's trying to enjoy life a little bit more, and he's still very involved, but, um, and I can kind of oversee what he's got going on with his horses. So, and I'm starting to build up with my clientele, my operation. So um, it's really a good team effort, uh, family effort still. Um, but with a growing entity coming coming ahead. So, all right, I understand your dad's a pretty good pickleball player. Uh, somebody somebody told me that. Is that true? I wouldn't say. I would say my brother Blake's the better pickleball player. He's a better pickleball player. Okay, so your dad just plays for the for the heck of it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
whenever I think my dad tries to show my brother up. Let's put it that way. Okay. Yeah. So, all right, you're you're stabled on on the uh, across the road, basically from Keeneland at Rice Road. Yeah, is that right. I, yeah, right down there with Godolphin and and um, a few other outfits right there where you can stay year round. Um, it's my home base. Uh, we've my dad's had a stable there for the last sixteen, seventeen years. So, um, you know, it, it's a good it's a good location. I can train on the synthetic. I can train on the dirt. I have fields to gallop in. So we get a good variety of horses on what surface they maybe they prefer or just give them a different change of pace. Um, you can just trail ride if you want to through the fields um, back behind there. Oh, um, cool. It's a really good facility for horses. It's quiet. Um, I mean, there's times if I want to breeze a horse by itself and nobody else on the track, there's not many horses there, or at least, you know, this is a limited facility right now. So we're able to, uh, I can wait and breeze a horse with nobody on the track. So it is good. It's one of the, uh, to me, one of the best racing surfaces the dirt track is there. Um, uh, they do it. The track maintenance does a heck of a job keeping it going. So, um, I really can't complain about or would want to be anywhere else, even though we have to ship a lot to run. But also, we have so many amenities there that it's worth it is worth having to maybe to ship to Churchill and Turfway to run in Indiana Grand, Belterra, Hawthorne. I mean, there's so many places to go, and we're not locked in just to one track. It gives me the option to ch- pick and choose where I want to run, and that's how you can win races. Are you allowed to train on the dirt track during the winter at Keeneland? It's limited. Um, it varies right now. It's usually about till the middle of December. Um, hopefully with the weather and they do try to keep it pushed up back if the weather does in our, is in our favor. It just kind of depends. Um, it's a kind of a moment by moment situation. Uh, a couple of years ago, we were able to train all winter long over it, uh, because there were some, uh, faults with the, uh, synthetic surface with the draining. And, um, so they were in the middle of redoing that during the winter and, Actually, the, the main track was phenomenal during the winter. I mean, there's days they just put a little salt on it, and we couldn't start training until 9, 30, 10, which was fine. It's cold anyways. And the and the main track was – it was phenomenal. I mean, it, it was one of the best – I've trained Oakland in the winter and fairgrounds, and th- that was one of the best. When it got cold, that, that track was – it was great. It really it, – it's, it's that surface drains well. I mean, you, I can't brag on it enough. I, I really, really am fortunate to have that track because you see how horses – even grass horses that might not like dirt, they still at least get a hold of it and they can get a good breeze over it and stuff. And it is, it is a, they, the track crew at Kingland does a phenomenal job and they've made a perfect mixture of track and the perfect base and everything. So while, while we're on the topic of uh, winter racing, uh, I'll just ask you like, uh, like in the winter, you'll have several days of snow. Sometimes, you know, it happened in January, February and your horse is probably, you know, you can't get on the track for three or four days, but you'll, you'll see horses entered. How much does missing three or four days of training affect, uh, some of these old veteran runners that, that might, might journey up to Turfway this winter? It doesn't actually. Is that a big deal? Yeah, not for a younger horse it is. And I think, um, but for an older horse, like I had that horse blue Kentucky, he ran on January 1st last year. He, he missed. Uh, two days before that, at, before he ran, he, and he, um, then he, like, I think I breezed him five days out because we missed, uh, two days before that. It was, it was messed up. We had all that weather right through Christmas. 
And for him, you just lead him over, and they show up. The older horses will. Now, the younger horses, um, it can kind of get with them because they're a little bit fiery. They, you know, they, 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 they need to get out. They need to do some stuff. And usually when that happens, you know, you're going to miss a couple of days. We try to get them out. We try to shed rolling for at least 45 minutes. If you can't get out of the barn, just do something with them. Just get their mind off of and just get their mind working a little bit instead of just sitting in a stall and, and, uh, uh, getting hand walked. You know, you just got to do something with those. But older horses, they're, they're fine. They can handle it. Um, that doesn't really, uh, older horse doesn't bother me. It's just the younger two year olds and stuff going, turning three. Those are the ones you really got to focus on and get creative with how you're going to handle, uh, handle those, those guys in that situation. All right. Well, let's talk about a couple of horses under your care. And I, the first one I want to go to is a, a horse named Hurry Hurry, mm-hmm. who won at Keeneland in October. And as I told you uh, before we started recording, I actually had this horse. I had this gut feeling. I know your dad was the same way. I mean, he's just a horse that's in decent form that's, that that runs at his home track is is probably going to be live. And and it, it, he showed up on the tote board as well. But it, he ran a big race that day. I, was that your first? I don't have the stat your statistics in front of me. Was that your first win at Keeneland or? It, it was as a trainer. I've had yeah. a couple as an owner, but that was my first official win as a trainer at Kingland. And we went into that race with so much confidence. Um, I think I bet with double hands that day. All my <laughs> it was, was you. Double. You were the one. <laughs> yeah, that was me. That was, I'm the one that made him five to one. Um, <laughs> but there was so much confidence that day. Um, going into it, he'd just been breezing so well. He, uh, I, I just knew that was the second start to, I, I claimed the horse with a lot of issues and just nothing major, just some feet issues and stuff. It was the second start of his career where he's actually had four normal shoes on, no bar shoes, no special, uh, this or that. It's the first time or second time. And, um, so I do everything was going, it was actually going too perfect. I said, something's got to go wrong. I mean, I, I even offside the horse myself because I was afraid he's big feeling, good, big, strong colt. Something's going to go wrong. But uh, everything went right that day. Machado rode a great king of meat, and he rode the perfect race that day on him. Um, so that the horse that day was special. It was special because it was an owner that gave me my first official win as a trainer. He's been a great, big, huge supporter, Steve Robbins. So that was a special day I'll remember forever. I got a big picture of it. Everybody in the winner's circle. That was special. That was one probably that's that win will last for me for a long time. I'll always remember that win. Yeah, this horse he's by accelerate, but he's he's out of a belong to me mare. So that would make me think maybe there's a little turf in his pedigree or turf in his future. I know he broke his maiden at Turfway. I'm certain you're probably going to this horse is going to wind up at, at Turfway at some point in the starter allowance, hopefully, or something like that. Yeah, there's, I gotta talk to the race secretary. Um, there, there isn't, amazing enough, you know, Churchill and Keelan, you have all these starter 30s and 20s, but there's not one listed for him, but there isn't any other than possibly, you know, it's time to, he got a rough trip the last start, but there's one coming up near the end of the month, maybe stretch him out to a mile and a quarter. Um, it's kind of a race of mine, and then he's gonna get some time off. He's still kind of immature mentally. Um, he's still growing. He's like I said, he's just three. So, um, um, Steve Robbins is great about letting me have, give some horses a break, a breather. The horse, you know, he's been training since, um, you look at his work tab since over a year ago. 
the horse just needs he needs a month off just to kind of we got push reset and every horse needs that i believe and uh so we'll run him there at the end of december and then he'll get the whole month off because he's going to have a very very good four-year-old year um he's just try, still trying to put it all together but as a four-year-old he's going to be a he's going to be a nice horse he'll be tough i believe he'll be tough and we've been able to run him in races without having to use that other than condition uh so that's been nice he's already won three over one hundred sixteen thousand. so um when you can do that without using your allowance conditions it's pretty not luan machado has ridden him uh a few times he, he was aboard on that the victory at keeneland what do you think about machado he's really he's come to the front uh this past uh 12 months i'd say he's he's a really nice jockey he is absolutely. He's one, and and it's nice to see him develop. Um, Corey Pruitt has his book now, and he took it last year. And and Corey's a hard work. I mean, the guy calls me at five o'clock in the morning. I mean, going over, you know, uh, he knows what ride or sorry, what horse is going to be in what races, and he's big been a big aspect to my team as a jock agent because he actually is sitting here going, okay, Matt, hey, he'll call me up. This horse is in this race because it's going to come up easier than we thought, stuff like that. He just a good hustler and, and stuff, but um, him Machado worked well. Machado, um, it was riding at Thistle Downs, Mahoning. You know, he's had some good turfway meets before, but would get hurt, have some bad luck, have to go somewhere else, and then. But now he's really hustled that Kingland market, and he's hustling Churchill, and, he, and people have given him opportunities, and he's capitalized on those. And I think he just keeps getting more and more. And I believe he's going to have a really good turfway meet because he's one of those guys i mean literally the guy won a grade one at uh at uh i think it was saratoga and rushed to get on a plane so he could ride a uh a, a claimer for me at belterra so that shows you dedication the guy just wants to ride and win races and that's the people i like to work with because they're not too good to go and ride the claimer for you because they know well they get to ride the good ones too or they're gonna you're gonna give them off opportunity instead of jumping uh you know to Louis Sias a lot of these guys they'll go and win three races on a horse but then the owner calls them and says well I want Louis Sias to ride my horse because he's there Louis Sias is a great rider but what about the guy that got us there and has done nothing wrong he, he he's going to ride all the other horses for you so let's give him a shot on this horse again he's done you know he's been there he's done that Juan's that guy he's got confidence he tries hard Asmussen's now riding him on a few so he, he has he has a uh he does have a bright future Real quick, CC, you and I are going to talk about the Sias thing. I, uh, that actually brings me to the point I'm going to bring up to you off air, by the way. We're going to talk about that here in a minute, all right, Matt? <laughs> Go ahead, CC. Okay. Well, I was just going to ask you about one one more horse uh, in, in your care, Blue Kentucky. I'm, I'm trying to remember who had this horse before. It was either Wayne Catalano or Larry, Larry Jones. Jones. Larry, Jones. Larry Jones. Was it Larry Jones? Larry Jones bred the horse. Yeah, Larry Jones had actually bred him, and then yeah. he ended up with Catalano, Eclipse Thurber's body. Catalano okay. got claimed off Catalano, I believe, by Mike Maker for 50. And then he got claimed off, I believe, off Mike Maker for 50, Jason Barkley. Jason Barkley ran him a few times, and he got claimed off Jason for 20 by Jonathan Wong. And then I claimed him for 20 off of Jonathan Wong. And then my next start, I won the 2X with him, two other than allowance race at, at, uh, at Turfway. So uh, he's been a – that's a – Cool, neat, hard-knocking horse. Another horse that we've claimed that's um, just, you know, needed to, uh, um, you know, just needed to be kind of built up a little bit. And he's done well. And as another Steve Robbins horse, that guy, 
He lets me, you know, he, he, he can go through and read the program. He picks about four or five out a day and we'll just go through and see which ones, you know, and kind of, we both say, okay, we like this horse. And I remember that day I tried to claim two horses out of that race and Blue Kentucky was a 15 way shake. And I was shocked. I already been out shook 26 times. Oh God. Uh, in November. In Jesus. November. 26 times. And I, when they said my name, I was like, everybody was clapping because it's like, Sims actually got one. And I, I <laughs> so that was a, a, a blessing. So, uh, now Blue Kentucky, he kind of jump started my career. I owe a lot to that horse. Um, he's a special guy. He's getting ready to maybe get one more start and get the, uh, winter off and get ready for April. Um, he's getting ready to come up. He's getting ready to lose that, uh, starter 20 condition, but he still got his three other than condition. Um, and we're going to actually maybe with his pedigree, I'm going to try to stretch him out a little bit. Um, uh, maybe stretch him out to a mile, mile on the 16th. It's there to do it. I think if he just kind of lay off the pace and make a closing move, I think there's more to him. I, re- I really do. I just and kind of sprinting just because it's working. He's picking up checks. He's winning some races and, um, we're trying not to get too creative because the starter keeps going in there. So that's a, um, but he's a, he's a neat horse. He, he is cool. I mean, he's got the class. You can see the races. He's running. I think he was third in the comp. He was on, you know, he's, he's done some neat things and, and, uh, hopefully he's only, I think it was five. So, or four, four. He's only four. Sorry. Going to be five. So, um, he definitely has a few more years underneath his belt as a racehorse. So I'm, what I'm going to do now, Matthew is going, I'm going to run you through the gauntlet and okay. give, you, give you over to Alan. Now, guys, I want to remind you that, uh, Matthew's dad trained two of the, two of the best, uh, purchases around. Oh, I know. Uh, with, okay, well, I'm going to I'm going I'm going to task you or one of you to ask about Don't Tell Sophia and Hot Cha Cha. Well, I'll get to that here in a second because trust me, that's I told you the man's been on our radar for a long time, and uh, that's the reason. With a couple of things I want to mention first, though. Uh, first off, uh, shout out to to uh, Joe Christofek. Joe, if you're listening, I know you are. Uh, asking you shall receive. Joe made an on air plea for you, Matt, just so you know to have you on this. This uh, world-renowned podcast that's heard in uh, 137 countries. So when Joe, when Boss Joe says something, we 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 get you on here. So uh, I like to make you feel good that the man wanted you on here, right? Absolutely. No, it does. I'm glad that Joe, you know, saw that and um, um, you know, recognized me. And I know, you know, he obviously he picked Hurry Hurry that day to to win. And uh, unfortunately, we came up a little short. But um, no, uh, Joe. Uh, um, definitely, uh, he does, he does a phenomenal job on air and, and, and you can listen to why he picks horses and does that. And that's, and that's great. That's what, you know, a handicapper should do. But also I jokingly say there's two occupations in, in the world that you can uh, get paid for being wrong. And that's a weatherman and a handicapper. So, and a politician. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, Joe does a phenomenal job. And, you know, for people, because this is a Kentucky racing podcast, right? And I know over the years I've been somewhat confused, even though I think I know the stuff pretty well. So let's go ahead and get something straight real quick right now for all the peons out there who uh, – there's a lot of Sims in the state of Kentucky who uh, mm-hmm. train horses, right? There's there's Matt. There's yeah. Phil. There's, there's Mark, Mark. There's yeah, Gary. There's it's it's kind of like the equine Beatles, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so for so people out there who've been confused over the years – Who's related to who and who's not? Help them out. So, okay, so Phil Sims and me, Matthew Sims, are related because we have just one M in our name. Exactly. Mark Sims is S-I-M-M-S. 
So he, uh, there's him. And then you have Gary Sims and Zach Sims. And Zach uh, Sims. Gary's son, Zach, he, he trained there for a little bit. Uh, they're S-I-M-M-S, but they're not, there's no relation to Mark or myself, but we still, like, when I see Zach, we call each other Brother Sims. So, um, but uh, there is, uh, but no relation between the, the, the three, I would say the three Simses, there is not a, a family relation there, but we're all still friends. <laughs> That's good. So Zach is Gary's son, right? Yes, that, yeah, Zach. Okay. And it's it's the key for everybody's listening. And people have picked up those. It's the it's the it's the one M or the two M's, right? That's how yeah. you really know. Yeah, that's how you know. Yeah. And before we do get to uh, these uh, classy horses that your dad trained to wear, I want to mention something. As you talked about Blue Kentucky, and I don't think you even alluded to this. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you your your official career as a solo trainer started on the first day of this year, right? And you mm-hmm. won the first race of your career and the first start that you had on the first day of 2023. Is that correct? Is that-, that is correct. Yes, I did for, with blue Kentucky, Steve Robbins, the owner, Fernando Cruz rode him. And, and uh, I think it was eight to one that day. We claimed, just claimed the horse for 20 and he won the, and then won the two other than allowance race that day. So it was a pretty good, uh, pretty good lick, especially off just claim one for 20. He paid for himself and plus some and, and um to have uh and I had family there that day and uh Mr. Robbins was there and like I said he's been he's been a a big supporter even before I took my trainer's license out. And I've had a few owners like that and they just you know, I told them this is the plan and then they're like, We're on board, let's get to it. So um and they've all been very pleased with what our operations been able to do and uh hopefully, you know, but I would say Steve Robbins is one of those guys that really has stepped up to the up, stepped up to the plate and uh just kind of keeps playing that uh um owner you know one uh, let's let's keep claiming he's got uh uh falls coming now he's got a yearling coming we're got a new york bred uh leo frick that he purchased that we're going to take to saratoga hopefully next year so right. yeah you got to have owners like that especially when you start out they're just going to play the game and trust you and let you do your thing so um Yes, in Blue Kentucky is I'm blessed for the whole connections there that we're able to win our first race out on January first. Yeah, it's like January first when your first race the and your first start. I mean, you should you should just drop the mic and walk off after that. I, no, and retire I, I, a thousand percent trainer. I walked in the Barb Borden's office that day, the state steward, and she was like, "I've known Barb since the day. I mean, she was there when I was born." And I was like, "I really want to hand this over to you." And Butch Beecraft was there too. And he puts just like your grand, my grandfather. He rode races actually, my grandfather, and and uh, he's like your grandfather would be upset if you did that. I'm like, all right, I'll give it one more shot. So, um, but um, no, that was I thought about there for had a, had a couple of days to think about. Do I go out 100? percent Like it was <laughs> it was a jokingly like, but kind of see like no, I could very few. And at that time on January 2nd, I looked at you know my brother sent me a stat saying I was like one of the top five leading trainers in the country there for That's a minute. Right. Can we just pause it? You know, that was kind of nice. Take that, Chad Brown, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. We, we do need to talk about um, your family, your family lineage and stuff. Your dad, Phil Sims, longtime trainer here in Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, points to the, it seems like he points to the Keeneland meet, uh, kind of like you did with Hurry Hurry to some extent. But then he, he's always been a really good trainer, had a high percentage of horses, put r- really good horses on the track. And there, and, and Cece has mentioned that you had two great winners that your dad trained 
One was Don't Tell Sophia from the mid, I guess, six, maybe eight, seven, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. But going back before that was, was, was uh, Hot Cha Cha, who won. Tell me the great one that uh, Hot Cha Cha won. Yeah, she won the Queen Elizabeth the second Queen, The QE2 at Keeneland. Yeah. I mean that really that when that horse won it was a big deal right and it, yeah that was I don't say put your dad in the match your dad been training for a long time but I got to think Hot Cha Cha is always going to stay have a special place in the Sims heart I mean it's what's that what does that horse mean to your family Oh it means a whole lot it, it put it, it showcased what my father and my family could do and it, I envy my father because she ran at Turfway Park during the winter yes you know? that's Wasn't right. I, he goes to Florida. He does all that. He's a family man. He raised me, my brother, um, and he he was able to you know to have a filly that I think she started for broker made for maiden forty at Turfway sprinting, and then she was a Grade One winner at going a mile. I think three sixteenths. Um, but his whole aspect is put horses in, get them where they can win. Build her confidence and whatnot. And she wasn't the most talented horse in the world, but she got confidence. And that's what she just thrived off of, of heart and confidence. And that's his, been his thing forever. I mean, you look down and, I mean, we're talking horses like Paluvin. He, he got Paluvin yeah. given to the owner from Chad Brown, said he was washed up, done. My dad takes him and two stars later wins the, wins the wise Dan Gray to a Churchill with him. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, horses like that, and um, but Hot Cha Cha, she uh, phenomenal. Nelson Mackin was a longtime owner of my dad's. Um, he bred her, um, and uh, just to have that and to watch my father get the get that showcase that he needed, uh, deserves, um, and to to uh, be a part of that. But that was really special to run her in the Breeders' Cup. I think she was fifth, just being a few links, come flying. Um, you know, that, that, that was all special and, and it was, and to see my father really start to get some popularity and people calling and stuff. And, and that was great. It really was. And, uh, uh, you mentioned Nelson McMack and one of the coolest things about hot chachaks, he raced in those silks. I remember those silks of Mr. McMackens, the khaki with the, with the green, they're really cool. Yeah. It, it kind of like personifies hot chacha to me. Uh, I do recall that. Yep. No, absolutely. I'm actually, I'm looking at her win picture in that stake right now, you know? So, um, but yeah, no, she, that was a special mare. We got, we got to send it to Greg real quick, but you know, CC jokingly alluded to this earlier, the whole thing about your dad being named Phil Sims, uh, <laughs> Phil Sims, for those that don't know, is a legendary quarterback from the New York Giants, won two Super Bowls. I grew up here in Louisville, right very close to where I'm at. And uh, I got to think somewhere along the way, that's caused confusion or jokes or whatever throughout the years with you and your dad having the, where the, your dad and Phil, the real, the big Phil Sims having the same name, correct? Oh, absolutely. You know, you get some people like, oh, wow, this, you know, you just common people are like, oh, wow, Phil Sims now, you know, the quarterback, now he's training racehorses, he's excelling at that. We never knew he was in the horse business. I'm like, it's not the same one. Even though my father played a little, little, uh, football. It's not the same Phil Sims, though. So you got, you know, you got quickly kind of like, oh, you know. So it's uh, you, you, I get it more times than you would think. Actually, probably about once a month somebody brings that up. So it's kind of, you know, and it's it, it's a uh, fun, uh, but it's always fun. We jokingly uh, talk about that. We we just hit your quota for hearing that in November. So hopefully you'll be done with that 
uh, until <laughs> next month. And with that, Jeff, take over, brother. Absolutely, uh, Matt. I appreciate you joining us, man. It's cool to talk to you. We've been uh, we've been following you. I know this is just your uh, your first year training on your own, but you, as we've said, you've been around your dad's barn for a while. Um, what what age did you start uh, kind of getting involved with the horses with your dad's uh, string and everything? Well, I'm gonna uh, just kind of give you my pedigree. Um, so I'm obviously by multiple grade one winning sire, Philip Sims. <laughs> fake <laughs> winning mayor belinda sims my mother trained for a while i remember that yeah and then my then her her sire john Oder, he trained for years um uh, so three generations over 100 years there of experience um and it just you know the it, i didn't really have an option it was you're going to go to the barn you're going to learn this if you don't want to at least it will teach you a work ethic and um, but training horses, even growing up was always, it was in my pedigree, you know, and that's what you're going to do. And, and if you don't like it, that's okay, but we're going to at least teach you something. And I was taught a trade. I love it. I get up every morning at four fifteen, you know, go to the barn and some mornings it's a struggle to get there, but I go every morning. And once I'm there, it's, it's great. Um, but, um, yeah, so that's, you know, I, I can't tell you exactly when I got involved because, I've always was involved, it seemed like, growing up uh, in my dad's barn and my mom's barn. Um, my Aunt Lisa Merritt trained. She was on Chicago circuit. She trained. I remember her. I remember her. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, um, then you go to um, Jamie Brune, the jock, is being part of the family. And uh, Joe Fromman, he, he rode some races, too. He's an uh, uncle of mine. So, yeah, there's a lot there uh, through the family. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess say my whole life I've been involved with it some some way, somehow, uh, with with uh, with being part of the stable and, and helping out the best I can and learning how to and going to the races and, and watch that stable grow. And it's uh, been nice. Yeah, for sure. That's great that you enjoy it too, because it could be a, it could be a bummer if you're kind of forced into it on some. Exactly. No, like my brother, um, he he enjoys the horses, but he doesn't enjoy the training aspect or the daily run. So he is now an attorney. So that's what he uh, he's doing that now. So uh, at least we have an attorney in the family. So with all these new rules and stuff, you gotta have an attorney you can call and see if you can do this or that before you call anybody else. Absolutely. That's a plus for sure. Plus the, the new regulations and everything. That's got to be good. Um, so, yeah, this is your first year, as we said. Uh, I mean, you already have 10 wins from 63 starts of so 16% wins, 43% in the money. I think uh, Alan alluded to it a little bit before, too. But, you know, as, as handicappers, horse players as well, we have we noticed that a lot of the times your your horses will outrun their odds as well, which is something that we really look for. And, you know, I think that's probably just because you're not as well known yet. But if we can get in on that ground level, you know, that, that's really helpful. And it's just something that's really caught our attention. So so you're definitely on to something. So as far as that goes, I just wanted to ask you kind of about your your system. I'm sure you've, you've picked up a lot of things from, you know, being around your family and your dad and your mom. Um what is maybe a couple things in your training style that you think really helps you out and gives you an edge? A lot of it has to do with each horse is individual. And, you know, no knocking to the, the bigger, big outfits, but they every horse pretty much trains the same or they have a system down. And where I'm down, I only have 20. I can go through, you know, I have a horse that 
maybe after a race instead of need, needing only four days off, hey, he needs a week off. We're going to put him in the round pen for a week, stuff like that, getting built back up. Um, so each horse is individual. You know, I'm going to train a sprinter a little bit different. I'm going to train the route horse. You know, you mentioned hurry, hurry. Well, hurry, hurry, at least once a week goes two miles. Um, but Blue Kentucky being the sprinter, I'm not going to gallop him two miles. Um uh, you know, there's a few others. I got, you know, my two-year-old, I had a Philly run second, two-year-old Philly, uh, run second in state a couple weeks ago. She trains completely different. She goes to the grass and trains a lot. And, um, and I w- ran her, uh, th- it was in a three-week time. I didn't even work her. I just too many clipped her, you know, but another horse, you know, a bigger cold, I would, would actually probably worked her, worked them a half. Um, so there's a lot of that. Uh, personal touch I like. I'm not trying as a trainer to take over the world of racing. I don't want, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and take horses on deals and stuff like that so I can say, oh, I got 60, 70 head of horses. That's not me. I can't. I'm going to do what I can to give every horse the fair opportunity. I have the Beamer blankets. I got the Equifit ice boots. I got ice tubs. You know, we have a, a massage therapist that comes through. Um, I use the best feeds, the best blacksmiths, the best of everything to give the horse a fair opportunity. Even if it is a 5,000 or claimer going to run a Belterra, he's still getting the best of the best um, because he might need the best of the best to win that race. And not every, every horse is going to be um, playing in the major leagues. You know, they could be a minor league player and that's okay. You know, I wasn't a star football player athlete, played a game for 13 years, but you know, my, but when I played, I got the best in every opportunity to showcase what I can do, and I took that over into horse racing as you got to give these athletes a fair opportunity. They get the best straw. You know, they're bed to above their knees in straw. They get to sleep. They get the the, the grain. They don't like the grain I got. I go get them some different grain. Um, they need this or that. It's all there, and, you know, we, we preside on the side of caution a little bit um, and just give a horse the time it needs. Yeah. A two-year-old, maybe we it, we're hoping to be at the races in three to four months, but maybe it might take five or six. But we're going to get there, and when they go, we're going to hopefully, you know, that, that way they can run their best and be performed and be ready. Um, it's just it's a different horse racing right now is at a different turnpike where you, you, it's patience. Patience is a virtue now, and you got to go with that, and you got to give your horse a fair opportunity. And that's where I've been lucky to claim a few horses that were in bigger outfits that just need a little special attention and maybe need to train a little bit different way and to do that. And Dave excelled. I mean, I, you know, you look at a horse you claimed for 20,000 a year ago, he's made a hundred and almost 145,000. Another horse you claimed in March made a hundred and over 116,000. Um, and a couple others trained, claimed to Philly for 16. She got beat 20 lanes her first start. I claimed her a couple months ago. Now she get, comes back for on the rise and gets beat a nose. Um, you know, just the horses are getting a fair opportunity and that's where I, that's what I like, you know, every horse is getting that. Awesome. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the, the patience, we were talking about that even before we got on tonight about, you know, trainers like you and like Michelle Lovell who will give horses that time if they need it. And that's something that, you know, the, the big outfits don't always do. They either can or they, you know, they move on from a horse or something, but if you give them that little special attention, sometimes they can, they can surprise. Oh, I- Absolutely. And that's where my owners allow me to do that. You know, I, they're not machines and, and they're not. And, you know, you can't go through and push a horse now and then call the vet and we got to get to this race in the week and all that. Now, 
Now they're just you, you get, the horse got to tell you when it's ready. I, some people were crazy. You take hurry, hurry, for instance. When I ran him at, at Churchill in a wide open seventy five thousand three year old race, he's twenty seven to one. People thought I was crazy, and I told everybody, I said, I'm going to run that horse when he's ready, and then I'll find a race for that weekend. And that race, and that I said, and I told Steve Robbins, I said we're going to go against these straight. It's straight three, so this is probably most of be non twos, non three, but I'm going to run him that race because he is ready. Horse wins by five, you know, and. Because he, I said, I'm not going to wait till next week. I'm going to run him this race. We're going, we're ready to fire. And in the horse ran a phenomenal race that day and uh, started to put it together. So, um, and that's that's kind of where I, how I train is that we got, you know, horse got to tell me when they're ready. And yep. uh, you can't you can't pick the race and then train to the race and then you go let the horse train 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 itself to that point. So, um, you know, that's kind of what I like to do. Yeah, that's very interesting, and that kind of leads into something else I wanted to ask you about because I, I know you you are somewhat of a student of the condition book. So I, I was going to see if you know if you targeted specific races there, or if you did more of I think what you already explained of letting a horse tell you when it's ready. And that, that's that's interesting to me to hear, but it makes a lot of sense that you would want them at their best rather than maybe running them where they fit if they're not at their best. So I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, one horse I did want to ask you about that uh, I know you claimed a Keeneland Vulcan, mm-hmm. uh, yep. Churchill, and I, I thought that he, he looked like he really had a big shot in there until he kind of blew the turn. Um, can you give us an update on him, how he's doing? Yeah, he's fine. It looks like um, in that race, he something hit him. Uh, maybe a shoe came off, something at that point. Yeah, he was sitting so good at the race pole, I thought we were a winner. And mm-hmm. He just, Alex said, he, when he went to grab that left rein to get him, so he had perfect target on the horse in front of him, and it looks like he just hit something, and and um, so just bad racing luck there, um, and we actually claimed him to run him over the synthetic at Turfway. He's got big Thomason numbers for that. Horses never run over it. With that pedigree, you know, we're like, hey, we're going to take a shot with him at Turfway, Um and uh he's a horse he doesn't require a lot of training you know he gets out but we don't he's he is a sprinter that's what he is or we're not trying to reinvent the wheel with him but we're trying to keep him happy uh due to things we do and that day i thought he was going to run big because i hadn't cross entered in the starter if that race didn't come off i was gonna run him in the starter the following sunday well that race came off the turf and as people if i don't know like a lot of people that know churchill the six furlong and the six and a half there's only like 30 feet difference well, he's a true six furlong or shorter. So I'm like, I'm going to go in the five and a half. If it comes off, I felt more confident with that than running in the starter, those six. It was a competitive race and knowing that he can't hang on. So we had everything going our way into about the three eighths pole and a shoe or rock, something hitting in the left side of the face, Alex said, and he, and he just kind of like shied from it, um, which is understandable. So hopefully, uh, uh, he'll regroup. He's doing well physically and everything. His seems up. He's been around in the last two mornings, bucking and playing and grazing for an hour. So we'll get him right and we'll fire right back at him at Turfway. Awesome. We'll be on the lookout for him at Turfway for sure. Um, CC, I'll go ahead and kick it back on over to you. All right. Last question. Now mm-hmm. we talked about before we came on air that you live in Midway. Mm-hmm. And we talked about our favorite restaurant or my, one of my favorite, my favorite Midway restaurant, Don Jockey's. Uh huh. All right. So if, if it's a race and they're, they're, we got a morning line maker, Don Jockey's is probably eight to five favorite. Yeah. Who's the second choice on Main Street? Gibson's. 
I've never yeah. eaten there. Tell, give, make your case. Okay, so Gibson's, I like their, uh, I think it's a Cajun pasta dish they have, like Cajun, it's phenomenal. And Gibson's, um, it's, it's, it's good. A lot of horse people go in there. Uh, you got a variety of things. The bar area downstairs, um, it's, uh, really neat. They always got the horse races on in there. Um, it, it's, I've never had a bad meal in there. I've had steak, I've had pasta, I've had, um, uh, salads, just anything. Uh, we'll go in there some nights and watch Turfway, uh, just to get out of the house. Uh, my dad probably goes three nights a week easily, uh, with some of our clients. So, uh, the wine bar in there is pretty good. Um, so, uh, no, it's definitely, uh, um, Gibson's, if, if I had to choose, I mean, obviously Don Jockey's our first option, but then we go to Gibson's. Um, so it depends on what you want to eat that night, but, uh, like I said, Don Jockey's eight to five and you're going to go, uh, to Gibson's after that. If you've never been to Midway, I suggest it one day just to go, go and eat and there's some shops. There's a, a uh, photography store or a, they, they sell racing pictures. It's across the street from all those restaurants. That guy in there that runs, it's a horse player. He's, I think he's nuts. He goes, he, I, I've been in there three times and he, we talk about, we talk about who he's bet every, every single time. I love it. I love it. Go in there. I always buy something too. They always get me for like 30 or $40. So. Oh yeah. He's a big fan of our stables and, uh, um, yeah, he, in his, like his wife owns antique shop, like next to, um, uh, Don Jockeys. So, uh, um, definitely a, uh, Midway's a neat little town. If you need anything at any time of night, um, phenomenal. Like I said, there's always horse people. Bourbon Lane has an office here. Actually, uh, uh, Krista, uh, was it Krista, Kristen, Krista, the racing, um, one of the racing managers, uh, is our neighbor. So, I mean, it, it's definitely a, a quaint little town. Um, our backyard, uh, backs up to, Cypress, I think Cypress Creek stud. So, um, it used to be Southern Equine. So Knuckles Farms next to us. Uh, a lot of history in this town. Horse people related. And like I said, we're close to three racetracks. So it really makes it nice. Perfect for a horse trainer. And the Iron Horse Marathon, half marathon. I've ridden, I've ridden, ran that before. It's my favorite one I've ever, uh, ran in because, uh, it, you run through the countryside. You run down through horse farms. I yeah. Ever, absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, everybody's running. I'm on the golf cart cheering you on. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a bit younger then. That's a little bit younger. It's been a few years, but it is cool. I do. Of all, right, I, 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 all the ones I've done, it's my favorite. Yeah. Absolutely. No, it, it is neat to have all the people in town and, and can, we can share our community with other people. It really makes it nice. All right, Matt. We're going to let you get back to the Kentucky game. I think they're in a real struggle right now. So they are. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, you need to. Yeah. You can get in there and cheer them on, and maybe call a few plays, and <laughs> get them home. But uh, we're we're it was fantastic to get to talk to you. Obviously, just listening to you talk, you've got a bright future. You know what you're doing. Uh, highly suggest uh, any prospective owners to to look you up, and uh, good luck with Blue Kentucky and Vulcan, and uh, hurry, hurry, and and. Hopefully one day you'll not not too not too far in the future. Hopefully you'll get a, a don't tell Sophia or a or a hot cha cha of your own, oh, and uh, yeah, you can celebrate that grade one uh, by yourself this time. But yeah, appreciate that. I but do. Man, when you come to Midway, we'll have some fun. Absolutely, it, yeah, Absolutely. looking forward to it. All right, everybody. This is Matthew Sims, a horseman that's going to be in a program near you very very shortly. All right, that was Matt Sims. And uh, he's got quite the family tree. That's for huh. certain. It's even more than a family tree 
then I thought, and you know, something he mentioned too, in addition to being a great interview, I mean, really sharp. Um, he said his uncle was James Bruin, who, again, I'm a lot older than Jeff. Uh, James Bruin was a mainstay on the Kentucky circuit back in the day. I'd love to have those 80s and 90s jocks on the show one day, the Brent Bartrams, the James Bruins, and Mike McDowell's, if they're all still around or whatever. So Tracy I thought that was Hebert. interesting. Who? Tracy Hebert. we got to find Tracy Hebert. He He's still riding. That is, that is amazing to me. But, yeah. uh, my, my, I think Jamie Bruin rode in the 1989 Breeders' Cup distaff. I think it was by Koa. And then D. Wayne Lucas had like five horses or four horses in the race. And one of them was supposed to be a rabbit. And I think Jamie Bruin rode the rabbit. That the sounds right. That sounds right. Back in the days. But yeah, I think he might have ridden her in a, in a turfway stakes or something before that and earned the mount. So yeah, that's a uh, pretty cool. Yeah. I'd love uh, to pick the brain of some of those old eighties and nineties jocks from around here. Yeah. That's for certain. Uh, we, we've got to get on that. Uh, mm-hmm. I do have some bad news to report. What's up? Uh, I've got above me, right above the computer where we do all these podcasts, I've got a shelf full of uh, jockey bobbleheads. Oh, really? Uh, Jerry Bailey. I've got Steve Cawthon, John Court, Pat Day, Chris McCarron. i got Bob Baffert. He's overseeing things, and, and Nick Zito as well. And then Extra Heat is between the two. And she looks like she's getting ready to run over Nick Zito. Oh. But uh, Edgar Prado uh was decapitated by my cat. Oh dear. Last night. Yeah, he <sighs> lost his head. And, send condolences uh, to the family. Jane Mansfield that and Jane Mansfield and Anne Boleyn. Yeah. Um yeah, just uh say a prayer for Edgar Edgar Prado's bobblehead because it's uh it's not a pretty Certainly. sight here. Yeah. <laughs> the, the cat was unfazed. Anyway, let's get back to uh real life. And uh we want to talk about the Clark Stakes. Before we hit the Clark Stakes, we, I, I want to talk about a couple two-year-olds. Uh Yesterday, a horse, a colt, two-year-old colt trained by Baffert named Nisos won his second start at Del Mar. Uh, this horse, of course, Baffert's got one every year. And like somebody said on Twitter, this horse probably go all 15 to 1. I'm trained by Yachtine and finished ninth. But my goodness, this horse looked strong yesterday. I, did either you get catch Nisos in in that uh, as the Bob Hope stakes? No, I did not. I did. I, I saw the race and it, it was an impressive performance. But I mean, it was also a four horse field, so I, I take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. You know, it was very visually impressive, but um, I'm gonna have to see it again uh, against against more foes next time to to really be a believer. I think uh, that's the son of Nyquist, which is ironic because that's the, the sire of the other horse we want to talk about, the Knightsbridge. Now, I know you saw Knightsbridge, Jeff, because it, that was about as breathtaking a performance as I've seen. Now, we had gotten kind of a word that Aspewson's horse was was pretty good. The second-place finisher is a son of Justified, like a half-brother to uh, uh, Destin, uh, who, who I think it was nipped in the Belmont Stakes a few years ago. But uh, – uh, Knightsbridge is for Godolphin and Bill Mott. And, uh, you know, so happy for Godolphin because they haven't had a winner in three, three minutes. But, <laughs> uh, Knightsbridge won by as much as he pleased. Uh, do, do, you, do you happen to catch that horse? That was a Churchill. I, oh, I remember. Yeah. yeah, go ahead, Alan. Oh, I remember. I was like, that was a couple weeks ago. The horse got shut off on the turn and, uh, was still navigating around horses and just blew by that field. Oh, I was, uh, 
amazing. As we've seen a couple, Nash comes to mind as well too, right? Uh, second yeah. timer, Fugadolphin uh-huh. last week going to, I want to say minus 16. Just, I mean, I, I don't know if Brad Cox is accustomed to having these nice horses like that, but yeah, Nash is a good one. And Mott goes for Knightsbridge, right? Is the trainer of Knightsbridge? Yes. Yeah, the just jaw dropping performances. What, Jeff, am I right about that? That was maybe the most impressive debut I've seen this meet. It was, it was just a big time performance. And, um, as you were talking about just huge performances at Churchill, another one I wanted to, uh, to mention was, uh, hot and sultry in the Chaluki for Norm. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. pretty tough race going in, uh, this past weekend. And, and I mean, she was just incredible. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just a seven length lead throughout the race, it seemed like, right? I think it's a solid exactly. field. Don't we have yeah, some yeah. big racing coming up on this weekend, right? This weekend at Churchill? Yeah, we do. Now, the, the Fall City is on Thursday and the Clark is on Friday. I'm kind of bummed. We always did a, a Clark preview show with uh, uh, Mr. Attorney, Mr. Will Nesker. But yeah. I, I assume we're not going to do that this year. I don't think there's just not, not enough time. Not enough time but, for me, I can tell you that. But, but, uh, First mission returns in the Clark Stakes for Brad Cox and Godolphin. Jeez, so happy for Godolphin. But uh, the son of Street Sense, he he returned to the races at, uh, at Keeneland, won an allowance race. It was a desperate finish. He's just blocked and blocked and blocked. He finally got out. When he did, he accelerated and passed uh, Command Performance, who came back to win for Joe Sharp, won an allowance race. Uh, prior to that, first mission was – probably going to be the favorite in the Preakness way back in May and something happened the week of, and he's been off since, but uh three to one, I don't think we'll get three to one on him. It's a good field. Maybe, maybe something like eight to five would be a, 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 a more realistic. I don't know. What do you guys think? I think he's the one to beat. I mean, I think he's going to take the money. I mean, I think the horse I like too is going to take some money too is gasoline. Uh They've got the horse listed five to one. I think, he, a lot of people are going to see the, the, the hot horse, the now horse that shirt running over the Churchill strip. And at a time of year when some people back out of the Breeders' Cup, they back out of these other races and they take money. But I, I do think gasoline fits that profile of the now horse in the Clark who likes the racetrack. Uh, again, they got to be first mission, I think, in there. You've got, again, it's, Emerald Cullell is a really nice horse is in there, trademark, so on and so forth, stage raider, film star. But I think those are the two that come to mind for me, and I, w- I would play gasoline right now. But it, and of course, it also and again, it always depends on price to see how they do pound uh, first mission. I'm, I'm with you. I have a tendency eight to five sounds about right. But uh, if I, I would think maybe gasoline might might venture down at four to one range. Uh, Jeff, do you have an opinion on the Clark real quick? Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think first mission is going to be very tough. Um, you know, that first race back was good. You said wasn't the cleanest of trips, still got the job done. Uh, second race off the layoff going to be even stronger. And then two straight bullets at Churchill just is kind of the icing on the cake there. I mean, the horse seems to just be doing incredibly well right now. Um, I, I, I will say that this one has not gone a mile and an eighth yet. So that's a little bit of a question there. If you are looking to poke a hole in this one, if it is a short price, you know, if we get, South of that eight to five goes down to six to five, even money range. I think I'd be looking to play against. Uh, one, one that I am interested in is straight air on the rail, just the inside. I mean, this one's gotten really good in New York. It last two have been on muddy tracks and that may be just what moved this one up. But if this one's just improved, definitely fits here. I mean, yeah. it's probably going to float up a little bit. 
definitely has a good shot. I like gasoline as well, as you mentioned. And then um, going back to my boy Stage Raider, you know, I was big going into the Breeders' Cup with him. You know, Cherie talked about him, said that, you know, he just didn't take to the track at all. So I'm just going to totally draw a line through the Breeders' Cup race. And uh, Price is going to be right once again, probably going to float up because there's there are a lot of horses in here that, you know, have, are in really good form and have a really big shot. So um, if Stage Raider, you know, gets back to his best, he could he could make some noise here, especially underneath it. What's well, probably going to be a pretty big prize. Fair point. Okay, and uh, did we mention uh, Jigera? I forgot. We talked oh, yeah. about it. all fair. Falls the Fall City is on Thursday. That's the traditional yeah. Thanksgiving. The the females going, and um, that Jigera just won up in uh, what was the race Jigera won up in New York? Uh, we talked about it on air. It was the Mother Goose. Uh-huh. Easy, handy winner up there at Aqueduct going a mile and eighth. And I guess the horse is doing so well is such a monster that uh, Bauer decided to come and bring it back here and see if he can grab another fat purse real quick. Uh, Jaguar is three to five in the morning line in a fairly full field. And that was before Hidden Connection, who was a three to one second choice, ran this past weekend. So you got to figure that Jaguar's odds theoretically go down from there. You're looking at one to five, two to five. You could make the argument that Jaguar might be coming back too quickly from New York of this race or might just be in such great form. They're like just trying to cash another big check. Uh, it's at the latter is probably the case. Uh, she, she does outclass that field. Uh, I would say music streak in there 30 to one might be an exotics booster because I thought the horse maybe was too close to the lead last time. They prefer to have a target or something, but yeah, Jagira be really tough in there. I mean, any chances to beat that horse, Jeff? Um, I, I, I don't think so. I haven't, I haven't really, you know, hardcore studied the race yet, but especially as you said, with the scratch hidden connection and just how good, uh, Kajira is right now, I, I think we could, we could see something special once again. She seems to just be thriving and getting better and better. I think she might be one of the best in the country. Not I do best. too. She's cold as ice is interesting in that race only because it's one of these deals where maker, the horse improves his makers acclaimed it and increasing the distance draws Louis size, but should be no match for Zagir, but I do find the maker thing imp- uh, interesting that he's improved this kind of a, you know, a very modest claiming type, upper claiming type horse that's turned to a running in the, in the grade two now, like with a bit of chance, but, uh, Kijera's race to lose, right, CC? I would think so. Now, remember, we got to reinforce our rule. If, uh, there's a heavy single in your pick four, or pick five sequence, you need to find another single. I'm a and I'm a believer in that. You got to keep. We got to stay narrow and stuff. You got to keep gotta, it narrow. You got to keep it mm-hmm. narrow. And uh, and if, if the, I, I, the way I play, preferably if I have to use the one to five shot, then either may I either a I don't play at the sequel and looks too chalky, or b I try to find a legitimate either single or a couple of legitimate prices somewhere along the way. So I mean that's just common knowledge. It's not, not nothing earth shattering. But and then again, if you think the horse can get beat coming back too quick, then the thing blows up like you wouldn't believe no matter who wins. I've seen more than one one to five shot implode. So mm-hmm. don't blame me for trying. Yeah. All right. All right. That's it. Anything else? Uh, anybody yeah. got anything you want to proclaim? I got I to pass my bedtime. All right. Well, yeah, it's getting late. So did Kentucky win? I don't know. All right. Well, we'll find out shortly. But uh that's all I've got. So on behalf of uh Matthew Sims, a, a wonderful interview, and uh Brandon Jaggers, who's not here, 
and Alan Schneider and Jeff Riggs and a cast of thousands and thousands beyond that. I'm C.C. Broadus reminding you in the words of our leader, Jerry Romans, we're not happy unless you're not happy. Good night.